standard issue for all women. Welcome to the Sunday Chops. And this week is a bit different from your normal Sunday Chops because it's a few people chops in about a specific subject. It's not really chops like at all in that respect, but whatever. It's a podcast special. It's Sunday. It's a Sunday Chops. It's January the 14th. Apparently, statistically speaking, if you made a New Year's resolution and you haven't kept to it yet, you're already thinking, well, fuck this shit. This ain't happening. But you're wrong because it could still happen. And we are here to inspire you to, you know, go and have a little jog or, I don't know, Zumba or whatever tickles your fancy. Basically, because sport is great. So look, it's 2018, new year, new you, maybe, possibly. You might have thought about dusting the chocolate orange wrappers off your midriff and shambling outside for a little jog or similar. You might have wearily eyed the advert on the side of the park railings for a super January gym membership deal. Or you might have picked up the rusty bike pump and given it a shake and vowed to cycle to work once you figured out what the function is of the part that's just attached itself. It's essential. I mean, I've not seen it, but I'm pretty sure they don't fuck around with bike pumps. You know, you need it all. But then, with these pledges in mind, you may perhaps have been transported back to 1995, standing bereft in the drizzle of an all-weather pitch, picking bits of gravel out of your knee and willing the colour of life back into your now puce thighs. You might remember how, Scarlett O'Hara style, your 13-year-old self raged internally as God was your witness. Never again would you suffer this indignity. Well, look, that was a familiar feeling for me, to be fair, until I started dicking around with this blog I was writing back in 2012. I never thought sport would be for me. And you can't keep me out of a gym these days, or off my bike, Beyonce, who I cycled across the US with a couple of years ago, or the park where I hit my lovely trainer, Linvel, while we discussed the state of the world. It's great. I recommend it. I mean, boxing, obviously, not just punching someone in general. Time was, my inspiration for doing this would have been to get an arse like my bike's namesake, but I just like it. It just makes me feel good. And having learned this secret that I feel was hidden from me for all these years by the horror of PE classes, by the pneumatic babes in the gym who I thought would laugh at me, or the Premier League footballers in the papers acting like tits. And now I'd sort of want to tell everyone about it. So here are my top three reasons for getting active. I had never in my life been a body confident person. I remember being six years old and thinking I had bigger thighs than the other girls at school. And it's a theme that has stayed with me my whole life. And still now, I do get waves of it, for sure. But I'm in decent nick. I don't look like someone who spends hours in the gym every week, even though I do. But I can lift heavy things, and I can run, and I can cycle, and I'm physically competent. And that makes me physically confident. Not just because I have a nicer ass than I would otherwise have, but because I can do stuff. Number two. Endorphins are rad as fuck. I've had boxing sessions where I've dragged my ass out of bed at 6am to get to them, hung over and feeling like I'd been scraped off the bottom of someone's shoe and felt genuinely euphoric by the end of them. As someone who has at times had a tendency towards the melancholic, exercise is good for my brain, so now I have a better head as well as a better ass. Number three, PE sucked balls, but sport is fun. 
We lose our sense of fun as adults. We get sucked into this questionable dream of mortgages and sourdough bread. And we forget that we could be launching ourselves face first at a crash mat. And actually, there is no other socially acceptable way to do that at the age of 35 outside of a gymnastics class. You're a grown-up. You make the rules. Find the sport you love because it's out there. And as good a place to start as any is the BBC's Get Inspired pages, which you can find at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash sport forward slash get hyphen inspired. But finally, my top tip for getting active is this. Anyone, no matter their size, appearance, whatever, is going to feel like a slug if they fall down an Instagram hashtag fitness goals rabbit hole. No one looks like this in real life, and you're not expected to look like this to fit in in this world. Maybe you're worried you'll look like a numpty, but no offence, no one else cares, because they're all too busy worrying about whether or not they look like a numpty. I'm here with Kate Dale, who runs the This Girl Can campaign for Sport England. Thanks very much for chatting to us. Thanks for having me. Well, technically, I'm in your office, so, you know. But, uh, <laughs> You're very welcome. So, <laughs> so thanks, thanks for having us. It's very nice to be here. It's a very nice office. So, Kate, This Girl Can, tell us a bit more about the campaign and what it is and why it's necessary. This Girl Can came out of um, Sport England, which is the government organisation that invests lottery money, national lottery money, into helping us all play sport and get more active. And we realised from our uh, data and research about four years ago now that there was a huge gender gap in participation. So about, at its highest, two million more men were regularly active than women, which just doesn't seem right in this day and age, really, that so many women are missing out on something that can make you um, happier, can help you obviously help your physical health, your mental well-being, can be fun. And I'm not sporty by background at all whatsoever, so it's not that I'm saying that everyone has to go out there and suddenly do shuttle runs until they throw up. It's not about that, but it's about getting out there, getting active and moving. And we really wanted to persuade more women that physical activity was relevant to them, and lots of them just didn't think it was. Mm. For lots of women, I think they maybe didn't really particularly enjoy PE or games at school, maybe didn't have a great experience there. And then when you look at the world of sport and sports marketing, very often it can seem like it's only particular types of people that play active, men, starters. But even when women are active, it can feel like you have to be really skinny, have an amazing six-pack and be really, really good at it. And we wanted to get out there and say it's fantastic if you're great at it. It's equally good if you're a bit rubbish like I am, to be honest, but you're still doing it anyway. It's not always about having to win, it's, it really is about the taking part. You're always banging on about this. I tried all the Olympic sports once upon a time for a little blog I was writing and, and I was a very much PE-phobic person and I didn't start doing any sport really until like my mid to late 20s. And for I think, and it was, I usually don't really like doing things I'm not very good at, uh, which potentially makes me a sociopath, but um, anyway, <laughs> more on that later. But I found that actually, yeah, you get so much out of it just from doing it. It's a really, really fantastic campaign. What kind of impact is it having? The impact the campaign's had has been phenomenal, to be honest. Over 2.8 million women have got more active directly as a result of the campaign. And whether that's uh, going for a run, whether that's going back to the gym, whether it's starting a dance class or maybe getting back into whatever sports they did enjoy at school, they've got out there and got, got active. So it's really made a difference. But it's also starting to affect how women feel about sport and activity as well. And I think that's just as important because it's how we feel that is really going to keep us being active. Because, and I've done this so many times... 
I'll start going to new class, I'll start running again or do something like that. And then three, four weeks in, something happens. I'll get busy or I'll go on holiday. And your routine gets disrupted and it's really, really hard to come back. And so by changing the way or helping women feel more confident and more like they belong, and you used the word at the beginning about belonging there, that's, we know in our research and our insight tells us, that's what will help women get back into it when we are disrupted. Because it's really normal to stop. We want to help women then start again sooner rather than leaving it longer. So the women in those adverts, they are real women, yeah. they're not actors or, or models or so cast in... All the women in the advert, they're real women who are doing the sport that they were doing when we found them. I mean, we deliberately with this girl can, we, um, we used street casting, so we, in a very nice way, we stalked women in, um, <laughs> in gyms, in the parks, on running tracks, and went up and asked them if they wanted to take part in the campaign and share their story. And thankfully, lots of them said yes, and then came along, I think, probably thinking it was going to be very glamorous, but then we made them work out really, really hard. So every drop of sweat and red face and mascara-smeared face you see is all genuine sweat. There's no water bottles making them look like they've worked hard. We made them work out really, really hard. And I think that's what's really worked with this girl can, because I look at women who I recognise and, and think, and that's what connects with me and that's what makes a difference and I think that's been really, really important. So Sam, who was a runner, her tagline was I jiggle, therefore I am, she's running up a hill. She was at her third park run, I think it was, when we, we asked her to take part in the campaign and she's been fantastic because as well as her image and being an image of a very everyday recognisable woman clearly running in England on a muddy track up a hill, showing off her jiggles and being proud of them. And then we have people like Stacey who featured in the second campaign who's doing um, push-ups just from the Wirral and in the second ad with Phenomenal Women she's putting pink lips before she goes because that's how she gets herself ready to go to boot camp and she hated boot camp at first but kept going and kept going and then had to do her first full press up and so she talks about how she cried in her first boot camp because it was so hard and then she cried later because when she could first do a full press up never been able to do a full press up need to learn how to do one but it made such a big difference to her and so that realness I think and authentic and doing what they normally do where they naturally do it I think that's what has made it resonate so much with all the women who've been inspired by the campaign the first time I did a real push-up like a full push-up I actually genuinely felt like Ripley from Aliens it was like the proudest moment of my life <laughs> you see I need to learn the technique and also presumably get the muscles as well but there's something about those things I think which we traditionally describe as boys boys exercises and men's exercises that, and this which is absolute nonsense isn't it why not why why are they and the the line that we use on stasis post is one is better than none she can do way more than one now but it's just doing that first one or two can make the big difference and for me that's it exactly with activity yes physical um, health long term it's really important but it's the confidence that it gives you and i know i'm more confident and calmer and saner when i'm active or afterwards but when i've got physical activity regularly in my life I feel slightly better and slightly more in control. I think it's honestly, genuinely so empowering. Not just literally, physically empowering. I think it yeah. is genuinely, you know, mentally empowering. It's, for me, I find it empowering to be like, oh, I can lift something heavier this week than I could last week. Oh, I can run a bit faster. Oh, I can do... I think the feeling of being physically competent to whatever level, because as you say, it's not important, but the feeling of progress is really, really empowering, I think. Did you find much evidence of that in the women you spoke to? Absolutely. I mean, we talked a lot about liberating women from the fear of judgment, because fear of judgment is the thread that runs right through the campaign. Because when we first looked at those gaps in participation and talked to women about why, because it's not as if 
we didn't know that we should be more active. We all know the health messages. We all know all the health messages. Doesn't mean we follow them. So it's not as if women didn't know that they would feel better for doing it, but there was something getting in the way, and it turned out to be this fear of judgment, whether it's the way they looked, the ability to do it, whether it's something they should be spending their time. Um, and, for example, that thing of not being able to go out and do something you're not very good at and not wanting to do that, but actually it doesn't matter. So initially we thought, well, we have to change their attitudes and then they'll get active. But actually it works the other way around. Women go out there do it, maybe in spite of themselves, maybe because their friends encourage them to do it, or something they've said, right, I'm going to go out there and do it. And then it's that that then gives them that confidence and that empowerment and that feeling, you know what, I can do that. And it it wasn't that bad, or I can go back, or maybe it won't be as bad the next time. And I think the confidence that it comes from doing something they didn't think they could do. I remember the first time I could run for 30 minutes without stopping, and I phoned up my sisters and bored them to death by going on and on and on about it, because I couldn't believe it never been able to run and to me that was just mind-blowing that I could do that. Yeah. What are the main barriers that you've seen in terms of women's access to sport other than just not seeing it as something that is for them? I think for lots of women can worry about the way they look when they're playing sport or being active because they think that you have to go out in lycra, you have to have the latest kit and maybe they don't see themselves reflected in some of the traditional images you will see in sports advertising or marketing and so if you're not stick thin and going out in lycra it might feel like something that you don't want to do and women will talk about how somebody told me at the weekend that she goes running in the woods so nobody can see it. Some women like running in the dark specifically because nobody can then see them. So I think there's an awful lot around appearance of women feeling that it's not feminine, either it's not feminine to be active or that they don't have a body type mm. that looks good to be active and sometimes, you know, I don't know any woman who goes out running who hasn't had something shouted at her by passing yeah, van drivers yeah. or whatever and it does just it can just weigh you down, can't it? And so ability is something else that has really come to the fore. So the I've forgotten the rules or I'll hold everyone up or I was the memories of school PE and being the rubbish one, going to a gym and not knowing how to use the equipment and feeling silly. One thing I really want is to encourage women to lift so this girl can lift and to go and use the free weights area of the gym because that is the empowering place and to go into the most testosterone, sweat-filled, grunt-filled area of the gym, lift weights and prove that you can do it to yourself. Not, you're not proving it to anyone else, you're proving it to you. And that, I think, is, is really important. And then there's a whole third set of barriers around priorities, and we particularly found this with young mothers or mothers with young children, is that they feel guilty about spending any time away from their family, especially when they're juggling work and possibly other relatives, parents as well, and a million and one priorities, that going out and spending half an hour, 20 minutes on themselves feels selfish. But at the same time, because we're really, really good at judging ourselves harshly as women, they would then judge themselves for not being good role models for their children because there's evidence that shows that an active mother is more likely to have active girls and boys as they grow up. So it's really important. But you also feel guilty doing it. So then I think you have all these thoughts, and I think, like with a lot of things in life, if it gets really emotionally difficult and you've got too many feelings about it, you just put it in a too difficult box over in the corner and you just ignore it. So there's an awful lot going on there, and we wanted to just encourage women to say, you're not the only one thinking that. So if you're at the back of a dance class thinking, I'm the only one who doesn't get the moves, and my hips don't do that because I'm from the north of England, <laughs> my hips weren't supposed to do that, then you are absolutely not the only one thinking that. And once you know that you're not the only one thinking that, it takes some of the pain of that away, or some of the inhibition of that away and you can just kind of enjoy it and get on with it. It's one of the many things that I've loved about working on this campaign is meeting the women who've either featured in the ads or shared their stories through our community and everyone's got an epic story. It might not seem epic in the sense of overcoming all sorts of tragedy or whatever but just in terms of going along, Stacey I was talking about going along to boot camp, hating it at first but going back and finding her 
her way through to Lord doing her first full push-up to, to Lydia who's 4 foot 11 really small wasn't really team sports because of her height but she got into roller derby where her height's a real advantage because she can nip through and roller derby's an amazing sport because it really plays to women's strength and fun and camaraderie and you can put war paint on and you have nicknames and it just looks fun and fairly hardcore as well and so she found her own through so when you get women telling their stories I just the bit I've absolutely loved it's January there'll be a lot of people who will be thinking about going out and maybe taking up a new hobby a new year's resolution we had a lot of turkey just then what can people do if they want to find a new sport. In January, obviously, lots and lots of people think, right, this is it, I'm going to change everything about myself. This is the year that my life is transformed. Exercise activity usually is a huge part. Our research shows us that by about 6th of January is pretty much when people start dropping their resolutions. Mm which sounds like a really depressing statistic, but actually I find that quite reassuring because that means if you haven't already started, you're not too late, there's still time. You can start whenever and you can start and stop and start again. And we've got lots of advice on our website. We've delib- created loads of information on our website for different sports and activities you can try to find something that you enjoy doing. So it doesn't have to hurt. It doesn't have to be something you hate. It doesn't have to be horrible. There's lots of different things you can do. It can just be mucking around with with your kids or dancing around your living room to YouTube videos or going for a power walk or or you can try, you know, weird and wonderful sports, you know, from Quidditch to to roller dive, all sorts of things out there just to try getting out there and doing things and having fun. And if you haven't been able to keep going to resolution, don't that doesn't mean that you have to stop. And also doesn't mean that you have to completely transform your life. Just getting a little bit more active and you can gradually build it up will make a huge difference and prove to you that you can do it. And where can they find you online? You can go to our website, thisgirlcan.co.uk, or if you search hashtag thisgirlcan on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, you can find our social channels there. Thank you very much, Kate. Thanks for chatting to us. Thank you very much. It's been great. My name is Mickey Noonan and I'm a lapsed runner. Imagine the sound of a constipated walrus in two tight pyjamas trying to squeeze out a shit. Or Donald Trump at a door that doesn't say whether to push or pull. That's me, getting back into running. If the big bloke, bird or Morgan Freeman in the sky existed, I would totally make a deal with God to swap places with pretty much anyone. Except Melania Trump. I'm not an idiot. To be clear, this isn't any new year, new me bollocks. Me and my run shoes have been big time pals for years, on and off. For the last few months of 2017, thanks to an injury, followed by grief, followed by illness, it's been off. Properly off. I was quite good for a bit. Not Asher Smith fast or with Radcliffe levels of endurance. Although yes, yes I have, thanks for asking. But quite good. I like running. It's good for my brain because it chills me out. I find it kind of meditative. And it's good for my body. It keeps me fit and sort of counters the amount of junk food and booze that I inhale, which is a fair amount, to be honest. It's really easy. You just chuck on your trainers and off you go out the door, no having to go to the gym or anything. And because of that reason, it's cheap as chips. The thing is, once you're out of the running routine, it can be, to put it bluntly, a fucker to get back into it. But not an impossible fucker. So allow me to share a few pointers on how to love your tea, tights and trainers again. I'm going to give my tips in an acrostic because I firmly believe they have a future in audio. I also believe in playing fast and loose with the rules, so there might be some entries that feel forced. One, sorry for that image. Two, deal with it. The acrostic is just keep running. 
J is for just do it. Like no great writer happens without, you know, writing. No running happens without that first step outside. Granted, the arse end of Storm Eleanor might not seem the savviest time to try to rekindle my love affair with running. Add to that the tail end of a nasty chest infection and pummeling the pee appears insanity. However, if I can get my arse moving in those conditions, it sets me up for the rest of the year. No excuses. U is for Unite with a Running Buddy. Make a date with yourself and it's easy to just wander around in your running kit all day and not actually do any running. Take it from the woman who's been wearing a sports bra for the entirety of today and basically just done some shopping and cleaning. Make a date with a pal and you'll feel bad if you let them down and you'll be doing them exactly the same service. S is for start slow, as in from scratch if you have to. For me, this is always the hardest bit because I'm annoyed I can't go as far and as fast as I used to and I wind up feeling discouraged. The body loses aerobic fitness within two weeks, so you need to take it slow and steady to build that strength back up and to avoid risking injury, particularly when you're getting back into something, even if that means a walk-run training plan for a bit. T is for time yourself. It's incredible how quickly your fitness will improve. By using an app, I use RunKeeper, but there are shed loads of others on the market, you will clock that in front of your very eyes. K is for kit. Get back into your most loved stuff. The dudge you've run your fastest in. The clothes that make you feel like a runner. I'm a bugger for trying to get back into running in my baggy tracksuit bottoms rather than my run tights. If tracky bottoms are your preferred kit, go for it. But dressing the part can make you feel the part. Can make you be the part. That's right, you're in your very own montage. E is for endorphins. Okay, so this isn't a tip, it's more of a bonus. There is nothing like a runner's high. That is science. Not much beats the feeling you get after a long, hard run. Come on now, keep it clean. It's a promise of that runner's high, after all, that probably spurs you to get out of the door and run in the first place. Scientists say the exercise activates the reward centres in your brain, similarly to the way drugs work. I read an article in a woman's magazine years ago called something like 10 ways to get the runner's high without actually running. Eat 10 goji berries marinated in sheep streams for an eighth of the endorphin hit. Seriously, just go for a fucking run. E is for eat normally. Soz lads, but unless you're at the end of training for a marathon, there is no need to carb load. The rough rule of thumb is you burn about 100 calories per mile. P is for part run. As long as I can drag my ass out of bed, part run is one of the best motivators I have found. If it can invent something to get me out of my pit on time, I, I might marry it. There is no doubt that it helps improve my speed and stamina. Nothing makes you pick your pace up like the chance of a personal best. Or being overtaken by an eight-year-old. Have it you, you nippy ragamuffin? You can't see it, but I'm shaking my fist at the imaginary scamp that just shot past me despite being three feet tall and still in year eight. R is for relax. It's not just your strength that needs recalibrating after a break. Your brain does too. If it's anything like my brain, it's a bit of a prick. Only too happy to tell me I can't do it. I can do it. But part of the challenge is geeing my mind up into remembering that this is something I actually enjoy. U is for uphill. Bung running up a hill into your run route. Deals with God optional. I live and run in Yorkshire, where even the towpaths have inclines, so I don't have much choice. Which is annoying when I'm knackered, but a really good way of building leg strength fast. This in turn will up your speeds on the flat, and there is nothing like running downhill. It kind of feels like flying. 
N is for nap. And by that, I mean, if you need a rest, then take one. Whether that is mid-run, mid-week or mid-training schedule, listen to your body. It'll prevent injury. N is for not made of sugar. Okay, this is maybe where they get a little bit tenuous. But we're in the UK. It is going to rain. You're going to get wet and then you're not going to dissolve. What's actually going to happen is you'll keep running, you'll come home and you'll dry off. That means, but it's raining. Doesn't work as an excuse to get out of going for a run. Headwind, however, can fuck right off. I is for inspire yourself. Set an end goal, whether it's a 5k charity run or a half marathon six months down the line. Getting something booked in means it's more likely you'll get out. N is for another activity. Uh, It kind of works. Okay, to be honest, I've never really thought about how many N's are in the word running before. But getting another activity in your roster is a good call. Yoga or Pilates will keep you limber and counter the tightening of muscles caused by running. I'd rather gouge my eyes out with a blunt spoon than do either of those, so I climb and do static trapeze to keep me supple. And by that I mean relatively supple. And by that I mean I'm actually about as flexible as a brick. And finally, G. G is for... Go, champs, go! Just keep running. I'm here with Wendy Ambrose Green, who is a fitness class instructor here and at a bunch of other gyms in the Hackney and Tower Hamlets area in London. Hi, Wendy. Hi. I have been doing your class for about two years now, and I have to say, actually, that I stayed in London for an extra day just to do your class today, Wendy, because that's how much I enjoy your spin class here. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. <laughs> We're actually recording this in December, but you'll be hearing it in January. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you do and how you make exercise fun, because I think that is, that is for me, the real joy of your class, is that it is a little bit different to other classes. It's really fun. Wendy has us singing, she has us dancing. She always says she can't hear me singing, but I'm just very softly spoken, you know, I can't, I can't help it. Uh, so, Wendy, how long have you been a fitness class instructor? Oh, my gosh. I'd say over 20 years. Wow. Over 20 years I've been teaching classes. How did you get into that? Have you always been sporty? I've always been sporty from I was at school. I was a sprinter and then started going to a gym with my husband and I was doing loads of classes there and at the time I got very friendly with the assistant manager and she said to me Wendy you know you're coming here all the time why don't you train and you can come and work for us and I thought well you know why not and I did and it wasn't like work when I first started doing it it wasn't like work it was just you know I loved doing it so much to me it wasn't a job and I've just sort of carried on from there. What kind of age were you when you came into this? Yeah, my mid-30s. I mean, I'm now 59, so it was my mid-30s. For the last, about the last 40 years, I've been coming to the gym. Before that, I did sort of bits and pieces, but gym started about about 40 years ago. You teach, I I would say, like, in this gym, it's predominantly women in your classes. And at this class, on a Friday, it tends to be slightly, I guess, not older, but maybe, like, in their 40s kind of age and above, I guess. What do you think puts women off being active? I think for some, if they're a little bit overweight, they're a little bit older, they feel a little bit intimidated by it. 
And for me, I mean, I'm an, I'm an older instructor, I'm not a size 10, and I think that people that come into the class and they can see that and they can kind of feel, I don't know if, if better's the word, but don't feel intimidated yeah. by somebody of my age. And I mean, I'll get people who are younger doing other classes that I do, but to me, it's just a barrier. It's a barrier that put people off and it's not one that should be there. Because I don't think it really matters what, what age you are. I was wondering today, is that why you have a singing and dancing? Does that break down that barrier a bit? I'll be honest with you, it's taken me nearly five years to get the class to where we are now. <laughs> when I first started the class and I started singing, I, I used to get sort of funny looks. It's like, you know, what is going on? What is this London, woman? Yeah. But, you know, I've continued with it and the people come to the class every week and they enjoy it. You know, people smile, and that's what it's all about. If you cannot come to a class, do a class, or come to the gym and enjoy it, I don't see the sense in it. Come to enjoy. For me, I teach nearly 20 classes a week, and if I can't enjoy the class that I'm teaching, I don't want to teach it anymore. I have to be able to enjoy it. I play music that I like, and I know the people that come to the class, particularly here on a Friday, they like that music, otherwise they wouldn't come because there are lots of other classes that they can come yeah. to. But it's just the disco music, it's just it's happy music. Yeah, so it's happy music. So Wendy's Friday class is, uh, is Disco Friday. We, uh, we listen to disco music and we have a little sing and a dance. And at the end, uh, Wendy always finishes, or recently has always been finishing with Blame It on the Boogie by the, uh, by the Jacksons. Uh, <laughs> The music in your classes, in general, is really good. Sometimes I come on a Thursday to one, like either of the Thursday classes, and you always play the best music of any of the instructors here, in my personal opinion. How important do you think that is in injecting fun into exercise? Oh, God. If the music is not good, then the class won't be good. It doesn't matter how good an instructor you are. If the music is not right then people are not going to enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it as an instructor, nobody else is going to enjoy it. You know, you don't get it right 100% of the time, but most of the time, I think, I hope I'll get it right. I mean, for me, when I listen to music, if I'm in the car listening to music and I can hear a beat, I think, okay, I can do this to that beat. And then I'll bring that into the class and see how it works. And it, it, you know, it generally seems to work well. What would you say to someone who was, say, in their 40s or 50s, who thought they were too old to get fit? If they thought they were too old to get fit, you're never too old. It doesn't matter. I teach a 50-plus class, and the women there, late 50s, 60s, 70s, there's even a couple in their 80s, and they work out, and they work out hard, and they, you know, they're there every single week without fail. So it really is a good thing for older people to work out. And I think this borough, as well as Tower Hamlets, does have a lot of range for older people exercise-wise. So a lot of people do exercise, and, and people who don't, and I've spoken to, and I'd say to them, come to this class. If you come to this class on a Friday morning you'll enjoy the class because everybody there different different nationalities but it doesn't matter we all join in some people come in and they don't sing you can see in the first week and they're sort of looking around thinking what the hell is going on and if they come the next week they might have a little sing but with their head down because they don't want people to see and by the third week they're all getting involved and what would be your advice to women who feel like maybe they lack the confidence to exercise in a public space i think the classes that we do here the spin, because of the environment, it's in a, it's in a smaller space. As you say, it's, it's a lot of women, but some men. But because we have the lights down, 
people don't get, I don't think people feel so intimidated because people can't really see you and people go to the back and I mean as you can see in the class that I do there are lots of women lots of different shapes lots of different sizes and I would always say come just come and see if you want to come and come to the back come to the back a lot of people start at the back and then they move to the front or you know after a bit of time but come and come and see you know we're all different you know I'm older as I say I'm not the slimmest of per people and I like that people will look at me and think, well, okay, I can come in, I can do that. People who are getting into exercise for the first time, how can they make exercise fun for themselves so it doesn't feel like a chore? Don't overdo it, because I think what happens with a lot of people, they'll come into the gym and work out, and they'll go mad, and then the next day they're in a lot of pain. So it's, it's take it easy. Don't come into the gym and, and do 15 minutes on a treadmill. Just do five don't lift heavy weights and then, you know, do it until you drop. Just take it little by little and then just build up. You know, expectations, don't expect that within a week or a month there's going to be a difference. Give yourself six months. Mm. And if you do that, I think people will stay with it. When people think that, you know, when people come in and they say, right, I want to lose a stone in a month, that's not going to happen. And if it does happen, the next month you're going to put it back on. So give yourself decent goals that you know you can achieve and you can stay with it it is hard isn't it i didn't i came to exercise in when i was about 30 i'm 35 now and it is hard when you start it's it's kind of meant to be a bit hard yeah. isn't it but the the key is just stick with it yeah i think it, it, it is stick with it and i think for, for exercise for for men and women if you've got a very stressful life a stressful job if you can exercise it makes such a big difference especially early morning so if you've got a stressful job if you come to the gym and work out doing something that you enjoy you know with your headphones on and listen to your music it makes for such a, a good day it does it makes the day really good Wendy, thank you so much for talking to us. You're welcome, thank you. So that's it, right? You're inspired and ready to go, yeah? So a word on kit before you scurry forth into the park. Sportswear, athleisure, whatever you want to call it. It's a big business these days and there are brands at every turn willing you to cross their palms with 70 big ones for a pair of leggings. Personally, I could never bring myself to do that. I'm not an elite athlete and realistically, as long as I'm not about to set sail in some billowy shit I put on to hide my ass, streamlining is not going to do me all that much good in a bid to aid my performance. So my advice to you is wear whatever makes you comfortable and if you want to spend the best part of a ton on some tights, knock yourself out. I certainly believe that there's something in feeling good about how you look and giving yourself the confidence to crack on with something that takes you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. However, there are a couple of things you might want to get right, and I am talking about boobs and feet, especially. According to Shock Absorber, 44% of women who exercise regularly don't wear a sports bra. And I've got to say, I have seen women in the gym wearing bikini tops and plunge bras, and I have just thought, you're insane. I mean, I think I would wear my sports bra at all times if it didn't look so rubbish because, man, they are comfy. And they do usually look rubbish, I've got to be honest about that, or at least any of the offerings with a decent level of support often do. But there have been some improvements made in the last couple of years, so do have a scout round. Even if you are of the smaller busted variety, those pups are bouncing on average four centimetres still quite a lot if you think about it for someone with a 34a bra size according to research by the university of portsmouth so look you need a sports bra and you need a different kind depending on the level of impact of your sport 
that's not to say you need a different bra for every kind of sport you undertake. I do quite a lot of jumping around, running and whatnot, so I just wear a mega bra for all sport. And if you're larger chested, this is the recommended strategy. My further advice on this one is to go into a shop and get some advice from an expert. Sure, you will have to talk to people, that is true, but it's going to be preferable to shoehorning your WAPs into whatever arrived in the post because you can't be fucked to navigate the return system. And I can tell you from personal experience, it is not fun if your sports bra breaks while you're out for an evening jog. Or any time of day, I would imagine. Anyway, moving further south to your feet, I ran the London Marathon in 2009 and I had been training in a pair of size 6 trainers. FYI, I'm a size 7, that were given to me by a colleague because they didn't fit her and I didn't want to buy any because I'm tight and they're expensive, right? Well, Kel surprised they did not fit me either and after considerable injury sustained while training, I eventually went into a running shop in London where I was heartily chastised by a sales assistant who said, your toenails are going to fall off. Do you want your toenails to fall off? And I'll be honest, I didn't have to do a lot of soul searching to find an answer to that question. Nine years on, and I've been through a few pairs since then, but have stuck with the same Socconi, which was recommended to me by the sales assistant, because I overpronate. That's a fancy expression for, like, you do weird things with your feet when you run. And the guide trainers that I have are really nice and supportive. So, yeah, what I'm saying is support all round is what you want. Socconi recommend getting a gait analysis in a shop is a good way to to find the right fitting trainer. You can use a running shoe for most activities in the gym, but if you want to play tennis or badminton, etc., you might want to think about something different. Again, if you're running, think about the surface you're running on and the length of runs, because you're going to want more cushioning depending on the impact. So, for example, in a park or on a pavement, it's a very different impact on your joints and pace. So endurance, long, you know, long distances versus short, sharp sprints is, is going to be a different kettle of fish. You also need to bear in mind your feet will likely swell if you're running long distances and a larger shoe helps to accommodate that. So Sokoni recommends half a thumb to a thumb's width gap between the toe and the end of the shoe. And all of this is the kind of thing that someone in a running shop can talk to you about in more detail. Obviously, trainers can be a bit pricey, but you're not an idiot and you know when you're being upsold. Most brands are going to offer shoes for a range of different budgets. So the best thing to do is just be pretty firm with a sales assistant in terms of what you're willing to spend and take it from there. If you feel like, you know, you're, you're being pushed around a bit, just don't shop there. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Now... Personally, I could not give a fuck about what my face looks like when I'm exercising these days. As my boxing trainer says, sometimes you just need to make some ugly faces and lift some heavy weights. And I think that is basically the equivalent of breaking some eggs for that proverbial omelette, but fuck knows. However, there was a time when I did care about leaving the house with no makeup on for exercising, so a quick heads up for you. MAC Liquid Last and Sephora 24-Hour Eyeliner. Why don't you come to the UK, Sephora? Why? I digress. They could quite possibly withstand a nuclear explosion along with cockroaches, and I imagine that Wonderbrow shit that I see adverts for on Facebook. Finally, I went for a run with my bestie over Christmas, in which we ended up running face first into a hailstorm and my boat was uh, aubergine 
for an entire day. An entire day. So winter really does hate your face, as those adverts suggest. Uh, so my top tips would be Glossier's Rich Priming Moisturiser or Neil's Yard's Wild Rose Beauty Balm. Both of those are excellent to slap on to your face before you head out into the wilderness. That's all from us for today. We hope you feel inspired and confident to get out there, if that's something you've been thinking about doing. Honestly, it it would not in any way be an overstatement to say that discovering sport changed my life in so many ways and very much for the better. Though I'm not suggesting you necessarily quit your jobs to dick around in the park like I did, but I would encourage you to go and dick around in the park regardless. If you liked this or you're interested in women's sport, I cover this very subject on the Standard Issue podcast every freaking week and we've had some ace interviews. And in fact, you can hear more from Kate Dale on the last podcast via Acast or whatever your app of choice may be. There'll be a special mail out for subscribers with some links to some of the things I mentioned in this podcast. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Or give me a shout on Twitter at Inspiragen if you have any questions, comments or you want to tell me you love me. And the latter is particularly welcome. Thanks for listening. Standard Issue for all women.